0: You hear me okay? Perfect. Yeah, give it up to them. Great to see you up there, Terry. That's awesome, man. Welcome to Revolution Rock for anyone visiting today. This is our family room. Um, it's my honor to be up here and preach. I had a head cold come on me in the middle of the week and <clears throat> Satan always tries to come against us when we have something really cool to deliver, right? So I wanted to uh, welcome you guys and uh, thank you for Isaac, Isaac for having me talk. Um, I'm going to open up in prayer And then we're going to get into some scripture reading. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing us here today. Thank you, Lord, for ears to hear, softening hearts. Thank you that we were able to worship. Thank you, Jesus, just for the freedoms that you allow us to have and the influence that you give us to operate through your word, Lord. Thank you for the wisdom, favor, provision, and prosperity. Right people, right placing, right timing all these unmerited things because of your sacrifice, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for delivering my words to the congregation here, and they will hear them without condemnation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <coughs> so, I, in a lot of, uh, lot of the sermons that I've heard here, and on other, and podcasts, and attending other churches, I like how a lot of the pastors will say, you know, that they'll almost have to excuse themselves because they're going to read some scripture. You know, if you don't mind, we're going to read some scripture. It always is kind of like counterintuitive to me because why would I read anything else? I'm not qualified to be up here. So if I was going to give you my perspective on everything, that would just be my perspective. When people say something that's like concrete, they always say, you know, on the Bible or swear to God, right? If you really think about that, they're using it as like giving honor. We don't like to say swear to God, but we're saying Bible because Bible's like the only word that we have. So when someone wants to like say something and they're very serious about it, they're like, no, on, on the Bible, on the Bible, right? That's concrete. So I've always thought it was, you know, I've never really looked into it, but I, you know, I was praying about what I should preach about. And it's like, man, I don't want to get up here and read all this scripture. And I was thinking about it. Before I got really into my faith, I didn't, I didn't read a lot of scripture, and I'm not here giving anybody condemnation. If you, feel, if you feel convicted that you don't read the Bible enough either, I'm in the same boat. So I always thought it was you know, really interesting when pastors get up here and they say, well, if you don't mind, we're going to read some scripture today. So we are going to read some scripture today. So we're going to read the, I like to build a foundation, this message that I'm giving is called Reactions, Jesus Conscious. And we're going to be transforming our reactions, just looking at our reactions and how we should be operating in faith. So we're going to read the entire chapter of John 15 and John 16, just to start things off. If you want to put some scripture up there. (laughs) The vine and the branches... I am the true vine and my father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that he will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in me. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. <clears throat> if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong in the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, They will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will, notify about, he will testify about me, and you, all, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. John 16. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that the time comes you will remember I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment." About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you, can no long, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more. Then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of the disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father... They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus said, or Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive. Your joy will be complete. Though I have been... Speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language. But I will tell you plainly about my Father, and that day you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I come from God. I come from the Father and entered the world. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe, Jesus replied? A time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace." In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen. <clears throat> reason I wanted to read that, we've just set a foundation for what we believe. And he is the vine, we are the branches. Reading all of that and actually reading through it, hearing the words like letting the Holy Spirit intercede, and help you understand those things. That's why reading the Bible is important. The church is a refuge, is a place of refuge where people should come and where you should feel protected and where you, sh- where, where you should feel refreshed and invigorated. However, this isn't the place that you should come to just get your Bible teaching. This is just an extension of what the Holy Spirit is putting onto your heart. A lot of times in society, you know, I'm just as guilty of it, but we see a lot of people that are just going to the church as more of a subscription. Every Sunday they go just to like check a box. I'm going to go and like hear Trey give us his perspective on him reading the Bible. And like almost like that's good enough. We need to be reading the Bible so that we can have the Holy Spirit talk to us. He is the vine. We are the branches. We do have a responsibility to understand his word for us. God's word for me and the Holy Spirit's mission for me isn't the same as it would be for Isaac, for Terry, for my wife, for any, any other member of the body. We all have a different calling on our life. But with this in mind, that he is the vine and we are the branches, we are acting as conduit for Jesus. That's what allows us to have confidence. That's what allows us to have a finished work belief. And I think that's also like really when you... Lately, I've been getting a revelation on like all these phrases that we use, that we toss around. Like Finished work, if you think about that, <clears throat> it's basically just saying you believe in Jesus. Like, Why do we have to specifically say that we're finished work Christians? What is a non-finished work Christian? The finished work, the work that we're talking about, the job or the task that was completed was Christ died for our sins, correct? So, we're finished work Christians, we believe that Christ died for our sins so that we don't have to earn it anymore. So we don't have to earn his love. So I wanna look at a couple different passages in scripture and we're gonna look at how we, would, how we react to things and how we should react knowing that we are the conduit, that we are branches and Jesus, Jesus is our vine first passage of Scripture I want to read from is Acts 19, 1 through 21. Let's turn there. You can put it up on the screen, too, Gene. All right. While Apollos was in, at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at, the, at, at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him in discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyranus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even Handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. It's amazing. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon possessed. They would say, "In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out." Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish, pri- a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them. Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to fifty thousand drachmas. Drachmas about a day, is about a day's wage. In this way, the in this way the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. I want to look at this uh, that story. So our reaction. Notice how Paul was operating within the Holy Spirit. They said that he was even transferring Holy Spirit power through garments. And then his disciples and the people that had heard his word and it all had also caught on and the Holy Spirit had, had transformed their heart, they were able to take those garments and bless others. And they were able to heal others. The main point of my sermon today is how, how we react to things. So after each of these parables, I want to look at how, how we would react. You know, a lot of times... Uh, I'll sit in, you know, in my office or I'll sit at like when I was growing up in my grandparents' house and they don't have much else to do, so like they talk on the phone, you know, like to catch up with others. It's amazing, even, you know, even in today's society, even my generation of people, how when we talk on the phone, we can talk about negative things forever. We can pivot, we can give them our take on something, oh, you're sick, Oh, I was sick once. Oh, how long have you been sick? Like, this conversation can go on for 30, 40 40 minutes, an hour, talking and commiserating about things that have negative aspect, right? We see here, Paul baptized these guys in the Holy Spirit, and then they were so on fire with it, they just believed that even through a handkerchief and a garment, they could take this into into any of their circumstances and even in their friend groups and they could heal people. To me, that's amazing because like we read these Bible stories and we think like, oh man, it's a really cool story. It's like real life. That's, that's still applicable today. But we, we get in the way. We like to clog up our conduit with natural understanding, which isn't even understanding, just doubt. So I want to look at one more. I want to look at uh, two two other uh, parables. We're going to get, get get deeper into this. This next uh, next one is John 11, 1 through 44. This is the story of Lazarus. How many people in here, just by a raise of hands, know the story of Lazarus? Yeah. Okay. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Martha, or this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, "The sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's son may be glorified through it." Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews, were tri- the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking, out of, speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe let us go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of his disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. (laughs) I talked about this in our men's group and like, I think this is, there's, the Bible's filled with satire. And like, if you read it and you actually like read it over and over, like Thomas is being like facetious. He's like using dry humor here. It's like, you know, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go with Jesus so that we can die with him. So, let's continue. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at that last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said. He's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly, went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but he was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had only been here, Jesus once more deeply moved came to the. It was Hold on. Oh, came to the tomb. It was a cave where the stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord said Martha, sister of the dead man. By this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But I said, this is for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus Jesus had called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, "Take off the grave clothes and let him go." So, in this story, is it not only do a lot of people know this story, but it's it it has uh has a lot of popularity because it's the shortest verse in the Bible. And like when I was younger, I was we would you know my dad always had us remember Bible verses and stuff, and this was like our favorite verse because Jesus wept. It's like the the, the shortest Bible verse, right? But like I didn't know any of the context of it. But if you look in here, people would say that Jesus wept because of Lazarus' death. It's not why he cried. Jesus wept because of their unbelief. Jesus knew Lazarus was dead for a long time. When he got the news from, from Mary, he, he chose to stay for two days. And you'll see that earlier in this, in this parable, he said, let's see here. When he said, and it's for your sake, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, or I'm glad I was not there so that I can go raise him from the dead, because he wanted to prove the disciples that, like, they lacked so much belief. And even when he got there, all of these people still were saying, oh, like, look how much he loved him. He's crying. Jesus knew he was dead. But everyone, when they read this story, like, I had a revelation of this story, because in today's day and age, I mean, we have so many prayer requests and so many instances in life where someone's like, you know, especially with the pandemic, and I'm, I'm not meaning to be insensitive by any means. There's been tons of heartache and loss during this, but there's so many times like when we have misfortune in life, we just tend to stay negative. Jesus knew his friend had died. Yes, did he love his friend? Absolutely. But he also knew he's the, he's the Messiah. He had the power. He did what he did because he wanted to prove to the people around him and the people closest to him. Watch this. Watch what power you have. Watch the access that you have. People think Jesus wept because Lazarus' death. He, knew he was dead for several days. He wept because all of these people that were closest to him, that knew his power, were still doubting. This entire parable is just is basically like Jesus doing somewhat of like a teaching moment to be like. Why, you know, why was I even sent here if all these people are still going to doubt me? And that's what's on my heart is we have this access and we the vine that we're connected to is the Messiah. Yet we still like to commiserate. Tell me how that makes sense. It's counterintuitive to even being at church. Let's look at one more parable. Acts 1 through 16. This is the uh, beggar at the gate. One day Peter and John were going to the temple at the, at the time of prayer. At three in the afternoon, now a man who was lame from birth was carried to the temple gate called Beautiful While the man held on to Peter and John with all the people astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if our own power or godliness had made this man walk? Our own power or godliness. Highlight that. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. I used to only read Acts 1 through 10 because it was just about them healing the beggar. And there's a lot in that. But when you hear Peter's explanation as to how it happened and what power they accessed to make it happen, it's amazing because he says, why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? So, Looking at our reactions in twenty twenty two and past years, any time that we have negative or misfortune, do we do we immediately just say, In Jesus' name be healed? Do we say that? And I'm guilty of it as well. I don't. But I'll tell you what I do, what I do feel is I feel a stirring. When I see somebody in a cast, I, I feel a stirring because I know I can heal them. And it's not me. But I know that the vine that I'm connected to, I'm an active branch. And I know, I've seen miracles. So what I'm, what I'm saying today is our reactions to things, I'm not perfect by any means at all. But as you can tell, these guys had nothing to give. But there's an important part here. And not, not all people that have misfortune or need healing are going to be healed. They have to want it. They have to be willing. They have to be able and they have to be willing. And they said, Peter said to him, look at us. So the man gave, him, gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. He had an expectant faith. He looked and he, he thought they're probably going to give, he's probably going to get some money. But he gave them his attention. He said, silver and gold, I do not have. In Jesus' name, rise up and walk. And he grabbed him by the hand because he made him stand up he could have just said, in Jesus' name, you're healed, and let, let him go, and then they could have went on their way. Now, I'm not saying that wouldn't have worked. The reason that he made him, grabbed him by the hand, that guy had never walked in his entire life. He had, been, he had been crippled from birth, it said. The reason he made him do that is because he needed to activate his faith. That guy had never even been in an upright position before. So him pulling him up activated his faith of, wow, I'm up, I'm going to walk. The exact same way he made Peter get out of the boat. It, it was, it'd be easy for him to say, yeah, well, through Jesus' name, do you think I can walk on water? Yes, he made him walk on water. And then doubt came in, he started to sink. I think a lot of times we try, and let, we, we don't try, we just do. We're human beings, we let the natural get in the way. I was at a customer of mine one time, and it was on a, we were on his farm. I won't mention any names, but we got in the car, he got in my truck, we drove back to his area where he had his forklift and everything. And then I could tell he he's kinda he wasn't getting around as well. He's kinda limping and he was of older age. And I said, You know, get it, take my truck up to your house, I'll drop you off there. And he struggled getting in and like, you know, he's like Ugh, you know, making noises and stuff. I said, You alright? He said, Yeah. It's like my my knees, man, my hip. I was, like, I was supposed to have surgery, but I just I couldn't. You know, I just I don't I don't want to do that. I said, okay, well, you're all right. He's like yeah. So I had to help him in the truck. We're driving, and like we had we had talked a little bit about faith, and like he had noticed my Bible in my truck, so we started talking about it. And by no means am I like glorifying myself here, but this is just an instance where I felt a stirring, and he had a willing heart to receive. So I asked him. I said, you know, you're are you a man of faith? Yep. Go to church, all this other stuff. I started talking. I said, you believe, you believe in supernatural healing? Yeah. I said, so you believe in the Bible? Yeah. I said, let's get that leg healed up. you mind if I lay hands on you? Is that weird? No. I said, all right, sounds good. Stopped my truck, laid hands on him, said a prayer, A stirring in my heart, like it was almost like I was going to throw up. Like if I wouldn't have asked him, I've I've always measured things like this when I'm working, like within the with the Holy Spirit and trying to influence others. The feeling that I have, the nervousness of asking him, does that outweigh the regret that I'm going to have of not asking? It's always no. The regret would weigh very heavy. If I drove away, not operating in faith and not stepping out of the boat. I would have felt way worse than him denying me. That's just how I, that's how I do things, how I weigh it out. If he were to say, no, get out of here, I lose a sale, fine. I stepped out for Jesus. I'll take that all day. Thank, thank God he said yes, and we got to see a miracle. I prayed over that guy's leg, said a quick prayer, kept it short and sweet, I didn't ask any prerequisite questions either, like, you a finished work guy? You believe in miracles? Tell me a couple miracles in the Bible just to make sure that I know that you actually know the Bible. Like, there was no qualification that he needed to meet. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. Can I lay my hands on you so you can see a supernatural healing? Yes. All right, let's get it. Laid my hands on him. Thank you, Jesus. We rebuke this sickness and we rebuke this Any iniquity in this man's body, we rebuke all this pain right now. In your name we pray, amen. guy's like, amen. So he gets out of the truck, and I'm like, I I can't let him get off that easy. I said, hey, what's something you can't do? What's something that you couldn't do? Like, what did you struggle with? He's like, I haven't been on my knees in years. I said, well, let's get on your knees then. Because I needed to make sure that he activated his faith. And I, I was doing it for him. I didn't want him to just be like, I want to get out of this awkward situation. I needed him to do it. This guy gets down on his knees and he says, I haven't done this in years. Gets right back up without even hands. Just boom, boom, down on his knees. He's like, This feels good. Boom, boom. No help at all. I said, Hey, man, have a great day. Praise God. And that's just a, a quick example of like, I felt the Holy Spirit telling me, pray for this guy. And I didn't you know, record it for Facebook or do it for the glorification of myself or anything. I wanted to have an influence on him. And I think I pray for right people, right placing and right timing all the time because God equips us to be disciples. And there's times where we just need to tell someone, hey, I'm praying for you, man. And like, you don't even know that person. And now you touch their heart just as much as I touch that guy's heart by healing his leg. Like... Jane, will you play that clip real quick? I love that clip because if I were to if I were to start every day off with that clip, I wouldn't have a lot of doubt in my life. You know, he listed a lot of accolades for Jesus. If you were to bring people out, you would list their accolades. It's like when Tiger Woods is about to tee off, winner of this year and this year and this trophy and this trophy. He listed a lot of accolades, bringing them out. What I want, I hate the word challenge because. I am a firm believer that anytime you come to church and you put the effort in to come out and strengthen your belief and reinforce your faith, you should never leave church feeling discouraged, ever. That's Bible. Never leave church feeling discouraged. God is love. God doesn't challenge us. One thing I do want us to try and transform in our life, though, is how we react to things. Let us think of that. Let us think of who our Vine is and what his accolades are and how we can be successful and the influence we can have on people. And turning around misfortune, instead of listing, having a list of accolades like, yeah, but they have a weakened immune system. Well, it could be hereditary. Well, this person, you know, this happened to them because of their behavior. They had it coming. Or my favorite, well, that's not my job. It's the pastor's job. Not my job to heal them. Not my job to lead them to the promised land. That's the pastor's job. Our job is to be a disciple. And the headliner that Satan loves to use on us is, well, what if it doesn't work? What if you pray for that guy and he hates you? What if you go to that hospital and pray for that person and they don't get healed? What then? Jesus, only the only thing he asks us is to plant the seed. We don't got to go back and dig it up and make sure it's still there. Our job is to plant the seed. So we are instructed to be a conduit for Jesus and there's no place of fear or thought of failure. Where in this book has led, to, has led us to expect failure? Where in this book has it led us to implement doubt in our conduit? Absolutely nowhere. If we believe if we if we start every day with that clip and knowing what Jesus did, knowing he was born to die for us, everything that we need in this life is from our vine, we'd be able to have a heavy influence on everybody around us. So I want to pray for us that our hearts would be softened, we would have ears to hear, and that we would be conduit, right people, right placing, right timing. Go to everywhere knowing that like you might be there for a reason. Might be sending you there. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't second guess that check in your spirit. From now on, if you got a word for somebody, release it. We do too much second guessing and we want to excuse everything. We want to use natural excuses to excuse the Holy Spirit, and that's not allowed. When you're finished a finished word, Christian. It's hard to do, trust me. You do you have one successful thing, all of a sudden it snowballs. Snowballs. That first healing that first word you give to somebody and you see they have an emotional connection to it makes that next one even better and better and better Now all of a sudden you're operating like Jesus did going around healing others healing people through garments so I'm going to pray for us today and we're going to leave enjoy the Super Bowl thank you Lord so much just for blessing us it's an amazing ministry Jesus we were able to learn from you influence that you had on this earth. Thank you, Lord, that you were born to die for us. You lived a perfect life so that we don't have to. The work that was finished was you living a perfect, blameless life. You're the Lamb of God. You are our sacrifice. You took up all of our infirmities and you carried our diseases. We do not have to face judgment because you are our judgment, Lord. When we are accused of anything, we can say, but Jesus, but Jesus, but Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit for leading us to areas that we can have, in, have influence on in others, for unmerited favor, favor that we did not earn nor do we deserve, the righteousness of Christ, the right to stand before God. Thank you, Jesus, for hedge of protection, guardian angels over this body, and that you would bless us in the city and the country and everything that we put our hands to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.